This is a Dece World production in association with Pants Pending Studios. Hey everyone, it's Deese, and I'm here to tell you about a brand new show called Some Imperfections, the advice podcast hosted by Abby Buckenberger, Sierra Kosi, and myself. They are certified life coaches, and I'm a comedian. They'll answer all your questions about life, love, spirituality, and much more, and I'll chime in with stories about how when I was in seventh grade, my friend and I dropped acid, and then my friend tried to fight our teacher. So tune in every other Wednesday at decomedy.com, IamAlliance.me, or follow us on Spotify. And go to sub.imperfections on Instagram to send us your anonymous topics and questions. We'll see you there. You are now listening to The Social Hour. They're not PC So if occasional foul language turns you off Then you have all been warned This is the call before the storm I'm gonna be like the hot Amy Winehouse Get ready for the social hour Live from Peace World Studios in Spokane, Washington this is the Social Hour. On today's show, psychic medium Kelly Maxfield. And now your host. After the last year being stuck inside with quarantine, he's more of a psychic large. Discussius. Mall of Keen, everyone, welcome to the show. This is the Social Hour. I am Dees. Thank you for coming around for another episode. We got a great one, guys. In uh, Join us today is psychic medium Kelly Maxfield. She talks to dead celebrities and then um, conveys that energy and information to artists and more, as well as a healer and uh, lots of interesting stuff. We're going to talk to her. Excited about that. Uh, before we get into it with Kelly, guys, as usual, go to DeeceComedy.com. Check out everything going on across the network. Live shows happening all across the country. Um, I'm going to Florida, man. We're going to we're going to be all over in this next uh, before the end of the year. So make sure you see where we're going to be, and we'll do some shows and make you laugh. So check that out. Uh, also, as uh, as usual, guys, go to Blue Spot Comics on Instagram or Facebook. Uh, our Best sponsor, guys. They're your great source online for new and back issue comic books, rare variants, number one Star Wars collectibles, and much, much more, guys. Tell them we sent you to get an extra 10% off your first order. That's Blue Spot Comics at Blue Spot Comics on Instagram and Facebook. Let them know we sent you, guys. Uh, all right. Uh, we're going to get into it, guys, because we have a great show. I'm excited to talk to Kelly, uh, hear what she has to say and about what she does. Uh, so please welcome our guest, everyone, Kelly Maxfield. Country has lost a lot of recently is uh, engaging in uh, yeah. open discourse. <laughs> alas yeah yeah so um yeah this is uh at least one bastion of uh open free discourse here on the social hour so uh yeah 
Anyway, um, well, uh, we are here today with our guest, uh, Lindsay Maxfield, also known as Gia Prism. Um, thanks for being here, Lindsay. I appreciate you doing this and taking the time to uh, be on the show today. How's it going? It's fabulous. Fabulous. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, it's been it's been a little bit of a hectic day. I was uh, on the on the road all weekend for comedy and I got back and found that my part of my basement had flooded. Uh, Get so, out of town. So, my basement flooded last week. Did it? Oh man, it's spring. I guess, you know, that's when it happens, yeah. right? It's like you turn yep. the sprinklers back on, you're getting extra rain and it just, uh, so, uh, yeah, I'm adulting. I know it's not great. So, uh, luckily nothing too severe, but it, uh, yeah. So I'm, I, it's just been a, a little hectic couple days, but it's all right. Um, so Lindsay, I'm, I'm excited to talk to you, uh, and hear more about what you do. Uh, you are a psychic medium. Um, you talk, uh, more, most specifically, uh, you talk with celebrities, uh, and then you, what you convey that information, kind of cultivate it and convey it to other artists to help inspire them in their journey. Is that kind of uh, a good summation? Yes. At the end of the day, it's souls helping souls. And if you're going to get mentored by someone on the other side, how about someone who lived a pretty badass life right. who could teach you a thing or two about reaching your full potential as an artist, as a creator? You know, I mean, celebrity is, uh, everyone has a different idea of celebrity because some people like John Lennon and someone's like, well, I think Hitler was a big deal. And you're like, all right, well, <laughs> this, this is your, you know, celebrity is, uh, yeah. is broad. That's a broad swath and very uh, uh, yeah. subjective. Right. And, and that's why, you know, in sort of amassing the cast of characters that I work with on the other side, I've looked at what's the common denominator. And you can say celebrity, that's a good catch-all. But what they really are is these people are, they're change agents, they're creatives, mm -hmm. they're visionaries. And most of them artists, they are artists in one way or the other. Um, a lot of actors, singers, musicians. Um, Albert Einstein is one who likes to contribute, who no one can say he's an artist, but he is cer certainly a creative visionary yeah. who's changed how we live our lives. Yeah, I mean, I guess, yeah, celebrity is uh, celebrity, creative. Uh, you know, they're all people who are maybe visionaries, just innovators in, yeah. in, in yes. our day. Um, I do want to definitely want to talk about all that, talk about the cast of characters, how, you know, how that works. Um, I kind of want to talk about you a little bit first, though. What, you know, uh, how did you discover this ability? What was it, you know, was it like when I was young, I just heard voices all the time or or was it, you know, what what was it that really got you uh, thinking that you were in? And when did you realize that you could actually there was actually more to it? Yes. Uh, a little column A, a little column B. So I went through my life thinking that I wasn't intuitive at all because I expected it to look like it is in the movies, mm -hmm. like the sixth sense or, you know, I expect it to be very big and dramatic and concrete, but in actuality, it's much more subtle than that. Sure. So as a child, I always had a sense of, I felt things that weren't there. I always knew things about people, didn't know how I knew. I could feel trees. I could feel, you know, there were, there were all these extra sensory sort of things. I used to see, you know, shadows that I would think would be people, a lot of that kind of hazy stuff in childhood. Um, but actually what led me to this path was a super fun nervous breakdown and a bout of mental illness in my 20s. 
so I was diagnosed bipolar and that whole thing. And I did the psych stuff for a while and was never getting any better and was sure. finally just like, you know what, psychiatry, fuck you. You're not helping me. You're telling me I'm broken and you're not doing anything to fix it. So I decided to end my relationship with psychiatry and psychology. And I went on a spiritual path to make peace with this because at the end of the day, I was just feeling too much. Yeah, I could feel everything. And it was so intense and so overwhelming. And so, you know, this, this journey of about, I don't know, five, 10 years of learning to make peace with my emotions, to tune into them, to use them. This actually helped me discover my gift as a healer. And that's how I began this work is I discovered that not everything I was feeling was mine. Yeah. And so I wasn't actually depressed. I wasn't actually mentally ill. I could go to the grocery store and suddenly be hit with 10 different things so and they weren't mine. They were coming from other people. Can, can I, what, what age are we talking when this started? Um, my officially, my first depressive episode was age nine. Okay. So very young. Okay. And then there was a lot of cycling through the teenage years. Um, but it was my senior year in college at 20, 21, um, that that happened. And I got the diagnosis around 22. Okay. And I'm 38 now. So there's the whole timeline. So I would say in my late twenties, early thirties is when I was like, probably late twenties. The last time I took medications was when I was pregnant with my son and he'll be 11 this year. So okay. it's been a long time. Um, so yeah, in the last, in the last 10 years or so is when I really went to make peace with all of this and in discovering, you know, if you Google empath, that's a whole thing. And that's what led me down the rabbit hole of maybe this is for a reason. Maybe I can help others. Long story short, I certified as a healer in a certain modality and I set up shop doing that. Still did not know, <laughs> still had no idea the extent of what would open up in me later. Sure. But it was through that process of doing these sessions, having clients coming to me that things would happen and they were undeniably very powerful, very spiritual in nature. And it was literally only like three months in when spirits from the other side would start making their presence known in those sessions. So how, how did you first come to realize that spirits were making themselves known? Because I assume that's something that uh, could happen and you may never know, or, you know, you may just, you know, write it off or you're the, 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 the human brain has amazing ways of, coping mechanisms and explaining things away so you don't freak the fuck out because exactly. like a lot of people you know if there's uh you know if you see a ghost your mind is like nope you didn't see that that was just a weird light and shadow because if you really if you really knew you saw a ghost you would be losing your shit and we can't have exactly. that right now Exactly. And it was during this early, um, you know, fixing of the bipolar brain that I was having very concrete psychic experiences. But because it was in the context of being treated psychiatrically, I thought it was hallucinating. I would hear my name being called. I would see things. I And I thought I was psychotic. And so I went more meds, more meds, and it just was a whole thing. So now as these things started opening up, they are much more subtle. Because I intentionally, you know, 15 years ago was like, no, we're not doing that. Don't come to me like that. That's mm -hmm. too much. So the, I will never forget the first day this happened. I have um, a longtime friend. She lived across the street. We actually were childhood friends and she randomly moved across the street. She had been seeing me for sessions for various things. And she came over one day just totally in a state. Something had happened. I need a session right now. 
and luckily I was free. I was like, sure, come on in. So I went in to get her in my session room. And then I went to go tell the kids, you know, so-and-so's here, mommy's busy. You can watch a show if you can be really, you know, that whole thing. So as I was doing that with my kids, I felt a very, very conspicuous um, prickling on the back of my neck. And which doesn't sound like much, but I have learned through my sessions that my physical body is guiding me to what's going on in my client, to whatever. So I was paying very close attention. This is new. This is big. What is it? So I go into the session, paying attention to this, doing whatever. And then at a certain point, the feeling is kind of growing. I'm anticipating. What does this mean? What is this? And my client said something about, it was almost a non sequitur out of the blue. She was like, you know what? I kind of feel like my grandma has been following me, has been, you know, here from the other side. And that's when this prickling sensation just like wildfire across my whole body, everything lit up. And I practically jumped out of my chair and screamed, she's here. And I had no idea, but it was like my body, it was like my body, I was just saying it. It it was a subconscious thing that took over and I said, she's here. And all of a sudden I just started talking like a stream of consciousness. I just, and she says this and she says that. And I would just, you know, word vomit. And everything I was saying, she's just like nodding and crying. She validated everything I had said. So that's that was the first time that I really knew, like, holy shit. But it also was not at all like I expected. Yeah. I just I just knew what to say and I didn't know how I knew what to say, but I just said it. That was it. That was the first time. And oh, go ahead. Oh, yeah, no, that's that's very fascinating. Cause yeah, I mean, you know, we have this expectation of what, you know, like you like you mentioned, you know, what you see in the movies, and that's you know, mm-hmm. that's this big dramatic thing. You know the lights flicker and the table shakes, right. and you know right. it's it's not always like that. It, it's much more subtle, right. um, or or you know, I mean, it it could be, or obviously it is for you, um, and it's it's getting in tune with that. I mean, now once you had that experience, what was your method to? Uh, did it seem like it came easily? Did, would you do things, or did you do things to? tune in or to kind of work that muscle like what is there mm-hmm. a, is there a way to 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 become more fluent in that particular language i guess if that makes sense yes. yeah so when this first appeared i threw the book at it i was like all right if this is happening i'm gonna learn how to do it i'm very type a in that way even with spiritual <laughs> matters i'm like we're gonna read the books and we're gonna take yeah. the classes because I wanted to learn how my mechanism worked because it wasn't how it was in the movies. So they're coming through this other way. I want to make sure that I don't miss it. Sure. And so um, I also, you know, like I say that that process of having clients come to me, I was very open for whatever happened. And I was just like a student, both helping them, but like, okay, spirit, what do you got? What's next? Yeah. So I did read a bunch of books. I took a few just brief online courses. And any psychic development teacher will tell you that we are all psychic. We all have the ability to be mediums. Some are naturally more open to it. Others are not. And and a lot of them, you know, we liken it to singing. Everyone can sing, but not everyone is Aretha Franklin. Right. So, and even, even among the best singers, they work at it and they develop it. So the big thing for me was understanding my most potent uh, psychic gifts. So they call them the five clairs. There's clairvoyance, which is clear seeing, clairaudience, hearing, uh, sentience, which you sense it in your body. Like I said, there's the prickles and there's the whatever. Um, Claircognizance, which is when you just know. And then this one's weird. It's clairaliance or clairgustance, which is like uh, phantom smelling or tasting. 
which that's not a real fun one sometimes, but it can aid in it. For example, like, um, you know, there's an older man with me and I'm getting this like cigar smoke and they'll say, Oh, it was my grandpa, you know? So all these things kind of aid. Sure. So once you understand how your, your strongest gifts appear, you can work with those. And as those get stronger, the other ones have space to kind of come online. And it's all really kind of intense because like I said, I was expecting to see the guy walk in the room. That's not how it is. You see a mental picture. Mm-hmm. You get a feeling in your body. You get, and for me, my strongest sense is claircognizance where I just know. Yeah. And that's a really powerful gift to have because I can tell you anything and everything because there's no barrier to it. It's not right. like they're showing me a picture and I interpret it. It's like, I just know. But then that's hard on me because I'm always, you know, for the first year or two, it was like, am I making this up? Am I making this up? You have to verify and you have to really learn to trust what you're getting. Yeah, I think it's, you made an interesting point that uh, we're all uh, kind of have these abilities in a sense. Um, and I, I think I, I tend to agree with you. There's, um, you know, we, uh, we only take in the human brain only takes in about 80% or I mean, sorry, about 20% of what's actually happening in your reality mm-hmm. in any given moment and sensory wise. And the really your brain is just overriding about the other 80% generally, because it's not, it just, again, it's just too much information. You know, it's just, uh, it's just sensory overload. We just fritz out. And so there's a lot, I feel like there's a lot of things, whether it's, you know, whatever you believe in, whether it's supernatural or whatever that's happening around you that humans just aren't seeing and aren't absorbing. Um, but if you, can grasp one little straw of that and start to hone in on that. Again, I feel like it is a muscle that you can work and get better at seeing those pieces and picking up on them. And also I feel like it's being open. Uh, you know, they, they always say, you know, there's, it's kind of a double-edged sword because they say, Oh, the people who have supernatural experiences are people who believe in the supernatural. I'm like, well, yeah, yes, they do have more experiences, but it's also because they're open to those experiences. You know, as we grow older, you know, I mean, they, you know, like that's why kids and pets are very sensitive to the supernatural because they haven't been uh, taught that these things are wrong yet. They still have an open mind and an open imagination. Uh, Whereas as we get older, we're just like, we're taught that, Santa Claus isn't real. So obviously we have no thought about Santa Claus, you know, as so, but if you stay open to those ideas, well then, yeah, you're, you're, you're staying open to these things, these other, whatever universes, worlds, different things colliding that, that you can kind of tap into a little more. Exactly. And, and there is an element of choice to spiritual gift. I, I find that those really jarring spiritual experiences are very rare because your um, subconscious mind or your soul or whatever you want to call it gets a choice. Am I going to participate in these things or not? And um, that's why actually things are very subtle for me because I'm a mom of children and I am not having the bullshit. There is no, like I have such firm boundaries with spirit. Yeah. When you can come here, what you can do, you're not allowed to communicate with my children. If I'm in bed, forget about it. I'm off limits. Like I have very specific <laughs> No one's going to wake me up in the night because they used to when I was a kid. And so, and the same deal when my, one of my children started seeing spirits um, and she was so little that it was really scary. And so I, you know, coached her through that. And ultimately it was like, you get to choose if this is making you afraid, you don't have to see it and you tell them to go away. And she did actually shut that down. They don't, she doesn't see it anymore. 
So there, I find that the jarring stuff, if you continue to be open after that, you, you're in for a wild ride. But most of us are like, whoa, what the? Because I had a lot of freaky shit go down in my teen years as well. And so that was too much. And I turned that off. But the, this is where it comes back to the mental illness. My other strongest gift is the clairsentience, which is the feeling. And that's why I can go into a store and I could feel this heaviness and whatever. And if I'm tuning in, I'm like, it's that guy and he's going through a divorce. And is like, I know what's going through with people because I'm feeling their feelings and there's psychic information in that. Do you, uh, I have some questions about you and you were younger and your daughter, but before we get into that, I, I uh, do you feel that uh, bipolar in general is perhaps a symptom of someone with clear abilities is that is that is that a part of the reason bipolar uh expresses or manifests or expresses itself i guess is the question i uh certainly the caveat that i am no scientist so nobody take this as gospel my personal view is that almost all, if not every single mental illness is a result of some sort of spiritual ability that has gone untapped and unprotected. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of what I was going through at that breakdown time, you know, if you look at shamanic tradition, so like Native American spiritualism, for example, sure. in their tribe, they knew that there's one shaman, one mystical person, prophet, healer for the whole tribe. And these abilities begin to open in adolescence. And the, the original shaman would know as they're getting on in age, it's time to look for the next shaman. And then the child, the 13 year old or whatever would start having these experiences and they would know that's the next one. And they would leave their family and they would live with the shaman to be raised and trained and taught. If that had happened to me, I would never have had the experience that I had. I was an untrained shaman going through basically spiritual puberty and it was a hot mess because sure. i was feeling and sensing everything but i had no context for it yeah, and no, no one guidance you had no yeah. yeah no idea what was happening it's just a, uh, you being bombarded with these outside forces and not knowing why or what there's no explanation for it at that point so exactly yeah. and for me in particular I, because i am a healer and it's not just because of my training there are there's something about me my body my spiritual makeup that I heal things. I can feel when it happens. Again, grocery store, I'm in the checkout line. There's a certain sensation I feel where someone nearby has had something cleared or healed to yeah. them. It just, it just happens. But if you're on like now, because I am trained and I, it's in such a way that it doesn't negatively affect me. But back in the day it did. All I would feel is whatever agony they were going through was now in my body. And I didn't know how to get rid of it. So I just had like decades of feeling people's shit just stuffed in this tiny little body yeah. and I was a mess. Do you think that if you hadn't realized what was happening or if left unchecked, that that could have spiraled into, you know, a dangerous level of bipolar and mental illness? I would say it definitely did. Okay. It was very bad. It was very dangerous. It was suicidal. It was a lot. Um, but I do know that a lot of my, there was always something in me that knew this is serving a bigger purpose. I have a bigger reason for being here. And one day I will figure out why I am the way that I am. I think there was some soul memory or something that kept me going. Um, but I've had that experience where I've met or come in contact or even on TV, I've seen people with severe mental illness. And I just know that person has, they're gifted and they don't know it and bless their hearts. They're never going to realize it because some don't, unfortunately. Yeah. Were, were the suicidal ideations um, because you wanted to 
get rid of what was happening or you couldn't explain it? Or was it outside forces pushing you towards that, do you think? Ooh, great question, because I could talk forever and ever about the darkness, because there's a lot of theories about it. And I've seen a lot of shit as a healer and I've experienced a lot. There have been many, many times where there are very particular dark energies that we're trying to get in. Mm -hmm. uh, that is a real phenomenon that happens. Again, not quite like the movies, but that happens. Sure. Um, so I think some of those probably, but I think the bulk at various times, definitely. But the bulk of that period in my life was just, I was too full of anguish mm -hmm. and it was excruciating, excruciating to just feel that all day, every day. So, I mean, did it, what did it feel like? Did it feel like you're feeling your feelings and the carrying the weight of countless other souls, essentially? Yes. Yeah. And again, at like, you know, 1920, I knew it in my soul, but I didn't have any way of uh, confirming that. There was no one to mirror that back and, and validate it. And so I knew it, but yet because I couldn't figure out why or how, I, you know, as we try to kind of understand what's going on with us, we attach to a story or we create a story. And so sure, we uh, explain something, we make something in our right. head to explain it. Right. And you know, if you have various issues with shame or family stuff or whatever it is, you're going to make your feelings all about that one thing that you logically know is going on. Right. And that may be part of it. But I also knew there was this sense of this isn't, and I remember writing in my journal at like 19 or 20, I think I used the words, it was something like a, like a toxic wellspring of something that I was tapped into. And I didn't know why, but I just knew it was this thing I was swimming in and I didn't know how to get out. So you mentioned, you kind of, you kind of answered this earlier, but I, I, I think maybe a little more specific we can get into. Did someone validate it for you to make you understand or what really was it that made you realize like, this is it? And I need to hone into it. Or like, I'm not crazy. It's this is what's happening. You know, was there um, like a moment, you know? Many moments. I never had, I'm still 38 and a professional psychic. I'm still waiting for my guru to like appear sure, and teach sure. me the way. I've been waiting for so long and no one has ever. Um, but I'll read something. I'll find a blog post. I'll come across a book. I'll see a YouTube. I've really just followed breadcrumbs. Um, and again, now that I'm this far along in my journey, I'm glad it's been that way because if you have a teacher, they can only teach you what they know and that's great. But then you kind of mold yourself to that when you might have a totally different set of abilities or different trajectory that they wouldn't necessarily know. Yeah. So um, I, can't, I can't remember at what point I realized that. Oh, I do know one big turning point was there's a documentary called Crazy Wise. It's so phenomenal. Anyone listening who's ever wondered, am I mentally ill or am I spiritually gifted? Watch this documentary because it does explain this. And I think that's where I learned the shamanic tradition and whatnot. Yeah. So there would be turning points like that where I would hear a thing or read a thing or uh, just have a sudden, you know, we call it a download um, with my claircognizance where I would just suddenly like get this psychic packet of information and just know. Mm -hmm. So it was just a really, really long painstaking process of putting all the pieces together. Sure. So yeah, just little things that kind of start to add accumulate after, after mm -hmm. time. Um, I want to circle back to, you mentioned your daughter was starting to have some moments of um, clairvoyance or supernatural kind of seeing things. Um, and she doesn't anymore. You said, is that correct? 
It's oh, not okay. in the same way she used to. Okay. Right. She was seeing, um, they were actually animals. Okay. And she was about three years old. Well, I didn't want to cut you off if there was a specific question or you just want me to go back. Well, I, I kind of want to ask, um, did you purposely get her to stop seeing those things? Did you want her to not uh, refine that ability because of your experience? You don't want her to maybe go through the things you went through and uh, or... And, and if so, do you feel like you're maybe uh, having her miss out on her particular spiritual calling? Yeah, really good questions, because I, I really agonized on all of these for sure. a long time. Yeah, I imagine um, so. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough. And she was three. That was the whole thing. And she was so little. There's very little you can teach at that age. Um, and sure. my main number one concern is I just don't want her to be afraid. And okay. so how it all appeared is all of a sudden out of nowhere, she was afraid to go to bed. And it took a few days to figure out why. Um, I had the sense that yes, she was being visited. And that's when my mama bear went off and I was pissed. And I was like, you bitches, you know my rules and you're not allowed. <laughs> like I was pissed. Yeah. Um, but then when I settled down, I was like, okay, if this is still happening, this is her soul path. And my job is just to support her soul path, but also to protect and make sure that she's in charge because that was the dangerous thing for me. And I think so many others with abilities like mine who are untrained, um, dark, darkness can get in and darkness can make you see your gifts in a different way. And so the number one reason for that is fear. Yeah. If you have no fear over your gifts and your abilities, then you can do anything. But if you're three and you're terrified and you feel powerless, then the darker energies and entities are going to mess with you your whole life. Well, yeah, you have no idea how to even control or what it even is yet. You can't even wrap your yeah. head around what's happening, let alone how to control it at that point. Exactly. So my number one concern was I need her to know that she is always in charge and just in life in general, as a, as, a, as a woman, you are in charge of your body, you are in charge of your boundaries, and you get to set the pace. And so I actually went and took her to, um, I, I had another site, because I'm a little too close to, I don't like doing healing and stuff for my family. I'm a little too close. I'm in my head about it. Sure. I prefer to, you know, have someone step in. That makes in. sense. So, yeah. So, because I don't want to be biased or project what I think is going on. Right. Yeah. So, you want a kind of a blank slate, a neutral, neutral party to, to figure that yes. stuff out. Yes. So I just wanted to figure out for sure what was going on. And so I took her to this woman and she was so great and very, you know, light and breezy with her. And um, she, what was happening is she was seeing animals, like sort of floating faces of animals. Mm -hmm. And that was like, what? I did not expect that. That was <laughs> different. And so then um, when the woman spoke with me, she explained that with children who are very psychically open, their particular guides and angels will take on the shape of an animal so as not to frighten them. Sure. Okay. Yes. They're already, yeah. So that made me feel good that, okay, we're not under attack here. We're not whatever. So then it became a conversation with my daughter about, um, you're seeing angels and tried to make it really light and really exciting. But I told her like, if this is too scary for you, you can tell them I'm not ready to see you. Yeah. I don't want to see you. You need to go away. And um, she did choose and take that path. Um, part of me. Yes. Because I know I turned off my strong clairvoyant abilities like that around her age. Part of me regrets it <laughs> because like you said, I don't want her to miss out on these amazing experiences, but I understand that 
even though they're really cool and they're really great mystical experiences, she has to assimilate into the real world. Yeah. And if she's so bombarded by spiritual stuff, she's not going to cope well in life. So yeah. My Sorry, go my ahead. Yeah, I just want her to know that at any point she can open up whatever she chooses. And we're always having spiritual conversations at our house. And my other two children, they're very psychic as well, but in very different ways. So we're always having conversations about what are you feeling? What are you sensing? This is so cool. Did you know you could do this? So spiritual development is a never ending process. Even though she switched this off, then she can open it up at a later point. That, that kind of brought me to my next question. How, I mean, how old are you? You said you have three kids. Mm -hmm. how... I have um, a 10 year old son and my daughters are identical twins. They're seven. Oh, so in, in more specifically, one of them was having a uh, more powerful. Yeah. So that's interesting. Um, you know, I mean, not that twins are obviously identical in, in every way. So that's that, but, uh, um, yeah, I mean, so you, you, you do kind of keep that door open and I mean, is that something you hope to foster with her later, or at least give her the opportunity to, uh, make a choice if she wants to pursue that in, uh, not necessarily as a career as you do, but just to kind of get in touch with it yeah. and, uh, um, you know, let it kind of unfold for her. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, <laughs> I kind of pat myself on the back like, oh, she's so lucky to have me as her mom because <laughs> I'm going to make it so much easier for her than it was for a lot of kids. Um, and this is this is honestly why we get back to why I have this persona and I do my work as Gia Prism, because I grew up suffering the negative effects of my open abilities. And then I turned to a career as a healer to make sense of it, to use it purposefully. And I did that for a while. And in this life journey of mine, you know, there's sort of this assumption that if you have an ability, you are chosen and you must do this. And I think, yeah, in the olden days and whatnot, there weren't very many people in the last century who have been open. You know, our society's really discouraged that. Yeah. So if you were open enough and you do have these abilities, then you kind of feel honor bound. I, you know, this is my path. I have to do it. And that's great and that's wonderful. But at a certain point, I really, that felt like a yoke around my neck. Yeah. Because I love doing it and I'm very, very good at what I do, but it wasn't bringing me joy anymore. It felt heavy. I, I had done the bulk of my healing from my trauma and my emotional experiences. And so every day sitting with clients to have to go to those depths and be a healer in that way, the joy was lost, the, the whatever, it was a drag and it was a bummer. Yeah. So while I want my kids to be able to, have whatever gifts they have and to be using them full force choice is very 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 important because if you feel a sense of obligation about it you're gonna just i mean just in life in general as a parent like don't do it if you're obligated but your soul isn't in it yeah choose something else like you get to you get to steer your life even me who has a spiritual gift from on high i'm still the boss and i still get to decide what i do with my gifts yeah Absolutely. That makes a lot of sense. And it's nice that, you know, you, you're not, you're, you get leaving that open for the children to kind of, you know, let them understand and have that open conversation with them. You know, parents in general don't talk to their kids enough. I think about anything in life, let alone something like this. Uh, so to have that, you know, openness and that, that gives them the right kind of palette for the whole landscape in deciding if it's, you know, because there are, I assume, uh, pitfalls to it. And there's, there's, uh, there's not in a, in an odd sense, kind of a cross to bear. If you really hone into it, there's things that, that, uh, you become more responsible for and, and holding, you know, emotionally and mentally, 
and spiritually yeah. that, that, that are, uh, you know, can be heavy at times, I assume. Yeah. And as a healer, you develop a lot of, um, there's a lot of protocol because it can be dangerous if you're doing, and that's why don't play with the Ouija board kids. Don't do it. Cause there's a lot of shit out there. That's just looking for a door to get in. So if you're doing professional spiritual work, there's a reason that you get trained because not everyone that wants to communicate with you is of the light. Not every one of them is being honest. There's a lot that goes on there. So in my training as a healer and in my development, um, I, I developed a lot of processes and things so that I'm not negatively affected mm -hmm. in the same way I was, you know, when I was quote unquote mentally ill and just everything came into me no matter what. So there's that intentionality, but even so it's just like the lifestyle of being a healer was really great at that time, but I outgrew it. And I was like, do I still want to be doing this for you know, I really identified with it when I started the business because I was still coming out of my years of pain. Yeah. But I got to a certain point where my work is done, man. Like I've healed my shit and I'm ready to go to a place that's more fun and more badass and more whatever. And I hadn't set up my business to accommodate that part of my personality. Yeah. And that, you know, just desire and curiosity and what do I want to do with this? Yeah. That so makes that was the genesis that led me toward the work that I do now. Okay. Um, so I want to talk to you about the things you've seen and things. Uh, Lin mm -hmm. Lindsay, would you excuse me for two minutes while I use the bathroom real quick, though? I'm sorry. <laughs> yes. I drink so much coffee real quick. One second. And we'll, I, want, I have a lot of questions about that. One second, though. All right, we'll edit that out in post. Uh, sorry about that. I drink, no I drink so much uh, coffee and soda water all morning and like just makes my bladder have to explode. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. uh, so I'm really curious about um, some of the things you mentioned, um, you know, the darkness, some ghosts that uh, uh, spirits that have broken boundaries. Um, let's talk about that a little bit. You know, when, at what point did you realize that like these spirits were breaking boundaries and what boundaries did you, you know, you mentioned some things, you know, not at night when I'm in bed, not to my kids, things like that. But like, how were you able to make uh, set and maintain those and kind of realize what you needed to, to set for yourself? Yeah. So most of the stuff that was negative and uncomfortable and terrifying was in my teen years before I had set any boundaries. Um, and I was raised religious. So that was the only framework I had for understanding spirituality. A Christian was Christian, a very traditional biblical kind of a yeah. religion. And so there was God and there was the devil. 
and then there are legions of the devil's followers that are creeping around earth like that's what i was raised to believe and actually that's not like i've stepped away from religion um but that's actually pretty accurate um and i could spend forever getting into the whole cosmology of earth that's a big thing but we know as humans as souls if we're going to incarnate on earth earth is special earth is dark earth is the planet of contrast where we come here and we know full well that we're coming down for a painful experience because there are only there are certain kinds of lessons you can only learn when you come into a world of contrast and when you get that shit kicked out of you yeah this is so that's what this planet is for so souls coming in here we're under no illusions we know it's just when we get here and we can't remember anything that we really get like jerked around a bit so there is a lot of darkness that exists here and there's different kinds of darkness that exists here so when we're talking about mediumship you know there are types of spirits who they were human and they died and they don't want to be dead and they don't want to cross over and they're pissed or you know a lot of times and i would see this in my work as a healer they experienced addiction whether that's, you know, drugs, alcohol, sex addictions, um, dark and devious kind of unhealthy, damaging things to other people. And they don't want to cross over either because they're terrified of the judgment that awaits, or there is, um, they're so desperate to experience the physicality of their addiction that they stick around trying to hitch a ride on people who are still in addiction. Mm-hmm. That is something I've actually seen a lot as a healer. And the first, actually, the first time I saw that was in college. Um, There was this friend we had and everyone knew, don't give Gavin whiskey. (laughs) Do not (laughs) give Gavin whiskey. He was the sweetest, most affable, just this loving human. Everyone loved Gavin. But when he drank whiskey, something very, very dark came over him. Yeah. And I saw it in his eyes and I, I could feel it. Ooh, I'm getting chills now feeling it for some reason that physical experience a darkness would kind of enter him and and take him over for that so i have always been because i've had experiences like that witnessing it and others i've been very hyper aware of being in control of my body at all times because when you're under the influence you are very very easily open you there's a bit of a vacancy and these darknesses want to hit you right so that's just the dead people that's one type of energy. There are also all manner of darker entities or energies that never had a body. They are here. And this is debated. Like, I don't know hundred percent for sure, because this is just spirituality and it's experiential and everyone wants to argue about what darkness is. And, but from my personal experience, what I see as a healer, as a channel, um, there are entities and energies here that are non-human and their whole purpose is to beat people up for lack of a better word either because we have agreed to it by our soul path i need to come and learn and experience in this and that and the other yeah or it's darkness that people have sort of bred and created and passed around like a hot potato Hmm. yeah just kind of like a like a like a spiritual mental cancer that we feed and it's it kind of our emotional states can feed into it and make it grow um Mm -hmm. interesting so like with this this darkness these uh um, what did you say entities that Mm -hmm. don't exist never had a physical body Mm -hmm. as you say where where do they exist what do they exist do they exist uh, is it a 
separate plane? Is it they're existing in this plane? We just don't necessarily see them. How? I mean, uh, that may not be something you can answer, but you know, I mean. Yeah, I mean, there's there's not a short answer because it's kind of the okay. So the general um, consensus in how we talk about it in the spiritual community uh-huh. is. Earth, the physicality of Earth is one plane. That's the third dimension where this is a table, this is a computer, I am a solid body. Sure. Then yeah. we get higher up in there's the fourth dimension and then there's the fifth and there's all this stuff. So the fourth dimension is anything non-physical and it's just above us because it's above us doesn't necessarily mean it's more pure. So when the fourth dimension is mm-hmm. where you have all the non-physical stuff okay. ranging from the dark demonic, you know, evil, I hate that word, but it's effective all the way up to the angelic, the holy, the sacred, the divine. This is all in the fourth dimension. And the way I, uh, I don't know, reconcile this is that I can't see love, but I can feel it. And I can recognize it in others. Anything non-physical, I can't see smell, but I can experience smell. It all exists either in the 3D or the four, but they're right on top of each other. Yeah, It's like oxygen. I can't. It's here and it's, yeah, it's part of the 3D, but it's also not part of the 3D. So it is all about vibrations and matching. So when I was in my darkest, lowest emotional times, that made me more vulnerable to the darker entities because I was in the density, in pain, in suffering. Yeah, they feed, they feed on that. Exactly. So now that I've you know done my healing work, I purged the trauma, I actively work on my spirituality, I can communicate with the higher beings in the fourth dimension. I'm actually not affected by the lower ones just because I've raised my vibration to a point that they can't catch me. Yeah. yeah. If I were to dip into, you know, get stuck in victim states, if I'm going to get angry, if I'm going to be an asshole, that lowers my vibration and makes me more vulnerable. Mm-hmm. On top of that, because of the work I do, I have a lot of extra spiritual protection. I call them my homies. There's like things I do. But um, just as a human wandering around, my vibe's too high. I don't get in that shit. But if I wanted to go start hanging with a dangerous crew and that will just, you know, their energy will lower mine. So you just, you know, it's intentional living can help you navigate the darkness. Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not, there's not like a, some other world physical plane that they exist on and they're coming here to do something. It's more of a, it's, you know, I mean, they're, they're here. It's a very similar existence in a sense. I, I, I will say, I don't know that for sure. I have not yet <laughs> because there is a lot, there's a huge contingent that believes uh, in this other race of beings and they come here to harvest and to feed. And because I just don't know enough about that to say yes or no, I mm-hmm. kind of let that be. I think it's plausible. Yeah. But what it always gets back to me is we all come from the same source, whether you want to call it God, the divine spark, the goddess, we all come from that. And what would be the purpose of God or whoever creating this alien race that wants to hurt its other creation? That doesn't make sense to me. Hmm. But what makes sense to me is I know earth is rough, but I need in this life as a soul, I need to learn compassion. I need to learn whatever. I need to atone for my karma or whatever. I'll go to this planet where there's intentional darkness. And we all know, and we all agree. Like that just makes more sense to me. Interesting. So I'm just going to say, I don't know for sure. Yeah. I'm not the gospel expert. It's possible, but I don't see it as plausible that there's an external, you know, consciousness that these marauding people who want to come in and hurt us. Yeah. So, um, 
you know, what, what are some of the darkness, those things you've experienced? What way have they manifested for you? I would say the most um, unsettling. Uh, I've had an attempted possession more than once. Um, I was awoken from sleep by an energy trying to enter me through my, I don't know exactly, it felt like up above me and coming in through my mouth and I couldn't breathe. And I had the sensation of being held down and being um, permeated. I don't, I don't know the word. And it, uh, it, I guess in science they say, oh, it's just sleep paralysis and it's a, it's a hallucination. Um, nope, <laughs> sorry. That shit was real yeah. and that was happening. And it wasn't until I called in help and prayer and spiritual protection that I then felt a lightness come in and forcibly remove what was invading me from my body. And it was the, the feeling of absolute utter dread, terror. Uh, I, I don't even have words for how um, dark and, and it, it was a lot. It was a lot. And I was probably... 12 13 i was very young how long do you did it actually accomplish possessing you or it was attempted it was it was on its way to okay that. so, so wh- partial i would say and then it was removed what do you think uh in your experience uh what do you think happens when someone is possessed in that sense how does that entity manifest through someone you will see and okay so we'll use my friend gavin as the example okay um his own personal light seems to go out he behaves in a he behaved in a way that was very aggressive very like i would never be alone in a room with him if he had whiskey i would not let any of my female friends be with him um there is a darkness there is behavioral changes uh personality changes um, I have not been around. I know other spiritual workers who work more in the, that realm and they've seen some things befitting of horror films. Um, I'm not willing to go there. I don't even really want to talk about that to the extreme because I don't want to invite that energy sure. to this, you know. Um, but you will see it. I mean, I'm a live and let live kind of person, but I do not drink or do recreational drugs because it it creates a vacancy. You're sort of out to lunch in a way that allows other things to move in Interesting. and share. And that's why I say I've seen it in my clients who've had addictions. There have been entities that I have had to cast out of their bodies and remove. And they could not, and this just isn't me, others who've done similar work, you cannot break your addiction if there is an entity because that entity is going to influence you. It's that proverbial devil on the shoulder, yeah. but it also lives inside of you. So what about, um, you know, you talk about uh, drug drinking, drug use, things like that. Um, and maybe we're, we're going to define drugs here in a second, but what about, uh, you know, shamans, uh, ayahuasca and other different substances that definitely have, uh, kind of advanced, uh, meditation and ceremonial techniques to get into a, the spiritual realm. Uh, how do you feel about those type of things? Those I am, I am on board with, and I'll tell you why it's because there is a high level of intentionality of spirituality and of protection involved. Mm -hmm. It's if you just got a batch of ayahuasca and decided to party down with your friends, it's an entirely different story than if you're going among people and there's a ceremony and there's protection involved. Yeah. Um, And, and 
and I'm not gonna, you know, I want to backtrack a little on what I said in that. I don't think it's anyone who has a drink is going to be possessed. Sure. I, it's not yeah. that clear cut. But certain people have certain uh, vulnerabilities. And me as a channel and as a medium, it's like having two different color light bulbs on my head in the spirit world. One of them says, I'm a medium. I can hear you. I can feel you. I can interact with you. And one says, I'm a channel, which means I can have energy in my body and I can essentially perform that energy. And so darkness really wants to get in me because if a darkness can get into a channel, that channel can then essentially birth more darkness into the world, mm. which again, that's my work as Geoprism. I want to work with artists specifically to be more intentional about their spirituality so that the art they're creating is full of light and not darkness. That so, Oh yeah. Go ahead. Yo, I'll just say that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. That, yeah. 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 Cause you've seen, you know, media that's dark, we know it. And there's a feeling that goes with it. There's some stuff out there. And you can also, you know, you've heard a song that just brings you to tears or a film that just changes your life. You can feel light and dark in art yeah, and that's spiritual and that should be respected. But yeah, in terms of like sacred plant ceremonies, I'm all about it. And, you know, people do what you got to do. And, but for me and my life and who I am and what my energetic makeup is, I'm not taking any chances. And I am actually looking into, I was just talking with someone last night who does uh, therapeutic dosing and sacred ceremony for psychiatric healing. I would absolutely do a trip in a, in a clinical environment, mm -hmm. or I would do it in a very protected shamanic environment so yeah. that I know that my body and my energy system is protected while I have that experience. That makes sense. I mean, I, uh, yeah, especially, you know, being more sensitive to it, as you said, and kind of, you know, if they can, if you're dulling your senses and, you know, then they can kind of sneak past the protective state. Uh, I mean, I, I ask because personally, I'm a, I'm a very large proponent of uh, psilocybin. Um, I, mm -hmm. I don't use any other drugs or alcohol besides it. Uh, but pretty frequent user of it, uh, you know, but again, I it's definitely set intentions. I think that's very important when going yeah. into those experiences. Um, it's not, you know, uh, and just being cognizant and aware and, you know, using it in a sense of uh, in a positive sense, not just yeah. Yeah. it's not quite as recreational as, uh, you know, just a party drug. It's uh, it's. Yeah you know, create setting intent and having a, mo uh, a moment, you know, whether I'm going to like yeah. a sound bath or something like that and oh, yeah. kind of meditating for a couple hours, that type of thing. Yeah. And, and I've read some really cool studies about, um, you know, like the early LSD experiments and that kind of mm -hmm. thing. I believe, again, this is unscientific. I believe that when you are in these altered states, if we want to go back to the fourth dimension, fifth dimension, that's how you can access those. Mm -hmm. um, I've also, this is kind of a side note, I can actually mimic various altered states in my body without substances, not quite to that degree, but I, I can meditate in such a way that it feels as though I'm on a pain pill or it feels as though I'm on marijuana or I can induce physical states like that. Um, in addition, I don't need altered states to have a vision. I don't need yeah. altered states to talk to spirit. So that hasn't been as necessary for me. But I know for people who haven't developed these types of gifts intentionally, that's sort of like the fast track. If you want to go have those, you know, get on the bus and you can have that in that yeah, state. Sure. Uh, wait, maybe it's just a, a, a portal, a gateway a to to yeah. kind of uh, enhancing those those innate or very low level uh, abilities that's in all of us, you know. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, so, you know, we talked a little bit about... Um, these spirits and things that are that exist and things that had bodies. Um, 
what what are your thoughts of you know the the afterlife or a prior life or you know i mean there's this uh you know not in a he- you know or maybe in a heaven and hell sense i mean do do souls move on if so where do they go if they move on thing you know that type of that yeah. type of thing um, I am still learning continually. So again, sure. I will not claim to be the ultimate authority. Yeah, no, there, yeah, absolutely. Just your experience and thoughts yeah. currently. Yes. Uh, there's most definitely an afterlife and it is so vast and so organized <laughs> that, um, it's difficult for us to comprehend because there's just nothing quite like it. I believe that, um, we are souls. We do get to reincarnate in multiple root, multiple bodies, multiple times, multiple planets, we can incarnate simultaneously. I could have many other souls of Lindsay wandering around. I may or may not meet them. And that is what allows for spiritual communication to be possible. Because when you're in spirit form, you're multidimensional. You can be anywhere at any time simultaneously. Yeah. And human, I can only be here in one place. So after we die, there is a process of sort of going through the life review. How'd you do? Did you set, accomplish what you set out to accomplish? Are, are you wounded? Is there more healing that needs to be done? There's a lot that's done in the afterlife too. I don't believe in hell, do not. Um, I believe that those souls who are very, very dark will more uh, go to a place of um, healing, of correction. I think there's justice in that sense, but it's not punitive. The soul is so vast and eternal that it seems silly to me that what you did in one lifetime could doom you forever. That's absurd to me. Sure, yeah. But there's level beyond level beyond level beyond level of progression. And so whatever we've done in life, we get to then go take that back and compare notes with, did you know? Did you follow the plan? Did you achieve what you need to achieve? If not, okay, cool. What can we do in your next experience to help you get where you want to be as a soul? So for me, I see it as just, the soul exists infinitely and we can put it into certain bodies, certain um, circumstances, experiences. You can be a tree if you want to be a tree. You can be an asteroid in another galaxy. It's about what your soul wants to experience and needs to experience. And that's why I say like, there's just no possible way to ever know because the more I explore, the more vast I discover that it is. It's just, mind-blowing yeah yeah um in your experience and all you know all these years you've had a lot of emotional states um things that you've felt have you ever seen physical manifestations mm-hmm. um they are uh, more rare for me my visions and my things of that are more of an internal nature but in front of my face i have had um a few visitations and they were all of the light. They were very, well, I, I, that's not true. When I was a kid, I would see sort of shadow people and it creeped the hell out of me. Um, they very well might have been of the light, but I was too little to understand. And I couldn't see through the fear of what that was. Sure. Probably any manifestation seems scary at that point. So yeah. at that age, so you can't decipher if it's. Yeah. And I've had a lot of very typical ghost stories, you know, um, things touching me, things, uh, I mean, geez, I've got at least a dozen in my home growing up. Um, One time I was vacuuming and the vacuum kept uh, coming out of the plug 
And I would finally just, and I wasn't anywhere near it. It was coiled on the floor next to the plug and something or someone was pulling it out of the wall. Yeah. And I was so pissed because I was like trying to vacuum so I could go hang out with my friends. <laughs> and I just yelled, would you knock it off? I'm trying to finish. And they stopped. Yeah. They didn't pull it out again. So I've had a lot of more cheeky ghost stories like that. Um, I try again, because I'm very open, I try not to go to, you know, real haunted houses or places of lore because I know that whatever is manifesting in such a way that has the intent of scaring people is not anybody I want to come in contact with. It can be with. very, very uh, extreme circumstance for you. Yes, yes. Mm. In fact, there was this one time I was, uh, my corporate job a few years ago, I was doing this, but on the side. And we had this team activity. We were going to go and get a private tour of like Utah's most haunted location. I live in Utah, Utah's most haunted location. And they had arranged it for just us. And I was so excited. I was like, this is going to be awesome. It's going to be great. And, you know, my guidance was like, are you sure you want to do that? <laughs> oh, man. Like they were being gentle about it, but they were like, dude, no. And I was like, oh, it'll be fun. I'll use my protection. I'll do whatever. It's going to be, it's going to be good. Out of nowhere that day, a freak storm comes out of nowhere and we get like three feet of snow in like three hours. Oh, wow. And canceled the tour. So we couldn't go and we had to leave work early. <laughs> stuff like that happens to me a lot where I'm going to go and I'm going to do stuff and the voice in me tells me not to do it, but I say, screw you. I'm, <laughs> I'm an adult. <laughs> and then there's divine intervention that prevents me from doing certain things. So I know I've been, even in the days, you know, before I knew I was psychic, I, I'd have a lot of experiences like that as well of divine intervention. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's again, just honing in and listening to those voices, those things that are happening. Yeah. Um, so um, what uh, uh, you mentioned earlier, the cosmology of earth. Mm -hmm. What is that? What is that? What does that mean? that just means the very big spiritual story of why we're here what the purpose is what type of beings there are what kind of experiences are we having who is god it's all the very very big questions mm -hmm. and i have my very specific philosophy of how all these pieces fit together and why we're here what what is that lindy what's your your oh, man. philosophy how much time you got this is it <laughs> i could write a book on this the i'll say the very succinctly it's kind of what i said about these varying degrees of souls. I don't believe in God as a, as a personage. I believe in God more as um, a benevolent energy that is the origin of all. And so God divides itself into various aspects so that it can experience itself. Um, this is, you know, the very deep philosophical perspective of I can only experience me in this lifetime because this is the only vessel, the only experience I get. I can't experience it myself as you or as my dog or as my tree. Yeah. If I want to experience that, I would have to find a way to become that thing. And so this God divides itself into different spirits. And then those spirits can additionally divide themselves into different experiences. So as we all come from this spark we can create, we can experience, we can have multiple experiences and we are God. And yet we are our individual experiences. Yeah. And so earth, I call it the earth game. This is an earth. This is a planet of contrast. This is a planet of hard knocks of lessons that shake the soul. And so those of us who choose to come down here are doing so for very, very specific reasons. And it all ultimately feeds back to the sense of God getting to experience all things, to learn compassion, to learn wisdom, to learn how to comfort and uplift others, 
to learn maybe by reverse engineering how things got so bad, maybe we could figure out how to make them a little bit better. So it's all begins as this um, benevolent energy that seeks to experience all, and we are extensions of that. Even as we are individual, we're all ultimately extensions of the divine coming here to experience difficulty so we can share that information soul to soul and help each other get back to that place of wholeness. That's that's very uh I like that whole idea, that concept. That's very interesting. The um I I'm curious about you you mentioned people everyone who's down here is down here because they wanted to be or they kind of had an intent to, you know, what about people who we all know people in life who <laughs> maybe aren't really doing anything? Uh, is that is there some is they do they get here and then just lose their way? Do they uh, get caught up in the spoils of just general life or malaise? How does that how does that fit into that particular narrative of yours? I feel like any circumstance you could dream up that's happening. Um, there are so many infinite shades of gray. Yes, I do feel that some people, for all their best of intentions, they get waylaid or they get drawn off the course. Mm -hmm. um, ultimately, that experience to the soul is still valuable. And that experience okay. to the whole yeah. is still valuable. Sure. But I also believe that we need villains. This earth would not exist as the lesson learning planet that it is were it not for villains. And so many people will incarnate into the life of a villain for the betterment of, you know, and a lot of times you will see um, people who have this person in their life that's always been the antagonist. And when you peel back the layers and when you can get to past lives and different things, these two souls have had this type of relationship in many lifetimes and they're choosing to come back and this time I'll play the villain for you. And this time you be the, we're choosing to do these things for our learning, our growth, our experimentation. And so when I'm taking the really benevolent high level approach to people who have done so much damage to others, I, in my heart of hearts, want to believe that they volunteered to be the villain because a soul needed to go through a life as a victim. A soul wanted to experience what is abuse. I want to learn from this. Um, that's at least that's what helps me sleep at night. Sure. Well, well, nothing when, is an accident. Well, when you look at it in the whole picture that you're describing as every soul feeds into the greater consciousness, then yeah, I mean, you do need those people who are accomplishing things. You do need those people who are doing it drastically wrong. So we know how to yeah. do it right. Exactly. Um, and you need villains and things. So that does, there is, uh, some rhyme and reason to that. Although it seems like chaos, it also mm -hmm. makes sense in a way. Yeah. And I will say, I am not always so, uh, <laughs> happy at peace with it. I would say more often than not in my life, I have been crying because I don't want to be here because earth sucks and please let me go home. It's hard here. It's yeah. very hard here. Yeah. And, um, I'm not always at peace with it in my soul, but intellectually, I understand that it's serving a purpose. And I did come here for a reason right now with my challenges, with what's going on. I chose to come here during 2020 for some damn reason. So <laughs> yeah, just, something here, about, here we Let's are just, doing it. Yeah. So. Let me take the good I can get from this Yeah, and see what I can make with that. Well, that's a great, great outlook. Um, 
So that kind of brings us to current, current Lindsay or Gia Prism. You, what you mm-hmm. do now, um, you as Gia Prism, you speak to, uh, again, we, as we said, not necessarily all celebrities, but notables, creatives, things like that. And uh, fee, filter, disseminate that information for other current creatives to kind of help inspire them. Um, how did you get to that specific field in the general field of what you do? Yeah, this is kind of a cool story. So as I mentioned, I, I've been a healer for almost six years now. Yeah, six years now. And I was loving that for a long time, but I was feeling restless. I wanted to move on. I wanted to do new things, but I was actually feeling really self-conscious about that. Um, you know, being the brand, being a, a personal business and being in charge of the marketing, I was like, but my people know me as this. And if I change, is that going to be okay? Am I going to lose all my followers? Am I uh, And plus, I didn't quite know what I wanted to do yet. And so I went into meditation one time and I, you know, opened myself up to spirit and I wanted to, I wanted help navigating this. And it was sort of a funny little thought that came to me. What would David Bowie do? (laughs) What would, right? If he, as Ziggy Stardust said, well, I really want to move on, but people know me for this and it's working and people like it and it's been fun. So let's just, let's just keep going. Yeah. No, when he was done with that creation, he was done and he moved on and he did something else. And so that was giving me sort of comfort in my creative vibe. And so as I was, you know, open and meditating and feeling that I had that spirit, that physical sense of when spirit enters the room. And so I sort of, you know, who's here and I'm doing my mediumship thing. And it was him. And he said, this is the most incredible thing I will never forget. And again, all the hair standing up and just this presence enters. It's, a, it's exactly what you would expect David Bowie and spirit to feel like. Yeah. Kicking in the door with a glitter you know, platform boot and <laughs> hair blazing. It's a thing. Yeah. And yeah. he says, if you're not living your life as a work of art, then why are you even living? And what are you living for? And it was so earth shaking to me because... I could not have been living that less. I, I was just, you know, doing my little quiet thing of helping people. And I was doing the soccer mom thing. And I, I was living a very small life. Yeah. My soul was very restricted and very sad about it. And so him busting through the door and initiating this, it became a mentorship of guiding me and helping me and teaching me. And, and, but I will say it shocked the hell out of me, even though I'm a medium, I was like, there's no way that just happened. David Bowie? <laughs> me? No, no. So I immediately reached out to other friends I have who are mediums. One who I know also has channeled celebrities and works with celebrities. So it was this long process of, girl, tell me I'm not crazy. Did that happen? Is this happening? So as I begin to um, accept it, open up to it and play around with it. And then of course, through this, it became an ongoing dialogue with Bowie. He is a very ready mentor. And I can say this because I know I'm not the only one he's talking to. He's very readily available. He loves being a spirit guide. And so I took it, um, you know, my straight A student, I really took it and ran with it. And I wanted to learn from him, not just how I can do this spirit connection thing in a, in a more badass way, but like, if I am living my life as art, if I am creating a life as an artist would create a work, what does that look like? And what does that feel like? Yeah. And that gave me the internal permission to say, yes, I'm a gifted healer. Yes, I'm very good at this little thing that I do, but it is okay to use these gifts in a different way. And so as I strengthened that muscle and as I developed um, a greater channeling ability, 
I decided to say, well, who else you got? Who else you want to bring to this party? And that's when I started um, reaching to other celebrities and hearing what they had to say. And so at first it was all experimental. I was doing this quietly on the side. I didn't know if this was going to be a new business or if this was just for me, like I, I was just along for the ride. And the more spirit, the more of these creator beings that I met with, the more I realized there's something bigger at play. This is not a random assortment of folks. They are coming with a very specific purpose and it all threads together in a greater message. Yeah. And so the longer I did this work and learned and transcribed all of these things, the more this, this gospel of the artist as a prophet began to emerge. And seeing how my personal experience and beliefs as a healer could really benefit artists who are, they want to be more intentional. They want to be more impactful, more successful, and just have more joy in life. Seeing the artist as someone who has spiritual abilities as I do, because what is an artist? They get, I mean, you're a comedian. Yes, you're funny, quote unquote, but you're getting stuff dropped into your head out of nowhere. Yeah. Like, you know what that, as an artist, you know what that process is like. What I'm doing as a psychic and as a channel is I'm making it very literal. I'm saying, I know who's talking to me and I know where this idea is coming from. And it's David Bowie or it's Judy Garland or it's whoever. I'm just basically hacking the creative process from a spiritual perspective. And in doing that and reverse engineering that, we can now find a way to be more intentional about how we do it. And to, and you know, as an artist, I understand the mentally ill artist. I understand these problems and these sure, because yeah. the energy system of a creative is fucked up. <laughs> we're kind of a mess sometimes. Yeah, yeah, it happens. Yeah. Because we're so open to all, like I said, we have this colored light bulb above our heads. And so ideas have a consciousness and, you know, creative projects have a consciousness and they want to drop in and they want to be born. And we're the vessels for that. Artists don't necessarily understand that process, but me as a healer and me as a channel having to finesse that process to do what I do, I now know who to, how to do that. Yeah. And so I can teach artists how to do that in a way so that they can heal these problems and work through this chaos and be just more successful and happier in their lives and in their creations. That makes a lot of sense, you know, and that, that, that also kind of, kind of, uh, helps, um, give weight to your, your personal belief of the, uh, everyone here soul is kind of teaching the universal unconscious in those, yeah. you know, that's going to, to those artists were here. Now they're in the fourth dimension and that now that creativeness that they've learned is being pushed back down a dimension onto the current ones, uh, in this case being channeled through you more specifically, but also just kind of out there for anyone to kind of be able to grasp at or get, you know, directly pushed into their head without them knowing what it's coming from or where, uh, it is coming from somewhere and it's, you know, it's, you know, uh, just falling down from the fourth dimension essentially just, right. you know, so, uh, right. yeah, I mean, that's a very interesting path, interesting way to look at it too. So, I mean, it's, it's highly specific. I will give you that. It's very specific. It's very narrow. And I'm really at the point, you know, where I'm just sort of, um, making the, I had launched this in February of 2020, then the pandemic hits. <laughs> and so I'm like, I'm retreat. All right. Let's, yeah. you know, back in the creative cave for a little bit, but, um, so I'm still sort of at the beginning of taking this message out to the world. And I understand that no matter how 
life-changing this message may be to some people, other people are just never going to get it. They're never going to care, or they're going to think it's absolute bullshit. And that's fine. But I know that people who have felt the way I felt about being at the mercy of their creative process, on some level, they're going to get it. Yeah. And when I know from my own self, when I really learned a lot about what it meant to be a channel, what it meant to be open to the universe and to have these things come in, having that new framework to understand why I am the way I am and how to workshop it and how to navigate it was absolutely life-changing. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm glad you're there to channel it and help other people hone into it when they can't specifically. Um, who, who are some of the notables that you've spoken with? Well, they're all on my website. If you go to geoprism.com, I have a whole gallery. Um, okay. You won't be able to read the full from everyone yet. Got to have some teaser content there. Um, Bowie's my main man. He's sort of my personal guide, patron saint. Um, Prince is another one that appeared okay. early on. Uh, Judy Garland, Marilyn Monroe, Robin Williams. Um, a lot of times I work on request and I'll have a client who wants to talk with, you know, a certain person. And so then I'll open that relationship and then they will continue to work with me. Like Thelonious Monk is someone I never would have thought to approach, but a client really wanted to get in touch with him. And he's had some amazing, um, Kurt Cobain is another one. I wouldn't have thought to pursue him, um, but he's been fantastic. He has a lot to say about helping creatives and about, you know, working through your sensitivities and just, just owning where you're at emotionally is that, you know, that's what I really love about this is that they don't always appear as you think they would. Yeah. Um, and they have such beautiful wisdom to share and because of who they are, because we know their life, we, we know their struggles. It provides such a deep layer of context that layers their meaning. Yeah. It's just beautiful. It's amazing. Yeah. Is there anyone you've, you've been unable to reach or that you, that you've attempted to reach or that you've been able to reach and has been unwilling to assist? Uh, <laughs> kind of. Um, and I will, I say to clients, whoever you want to talk to, we will certainly invite them, but you know, they're human. They can choose not to show up and not all of them will trans channel. Not all of them can do the thing where I speak for them, but they will show up as, as any spirit would in traditional mediumship. Um, so far, I have not have anyone not show up. Okay. They've all shown up. Um, but there are some that have been more antagonistic and I don't enjoy working with them. <laughs> so, um, can you name I names? Going, I, I mean, I don't want to name names. Okay. I don't want them to be pissed and come. <laughs> okay. <laughs> They're not necessarily people you would expect to have an attitude about this, but they do. Oh, sure. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it turns which out is funny to me because I'm like, if you, you don't have to be here, man, like we're cool. We can go our own separate ways. Yeah. But they're like, you know, no, I'm, you brought me here. Like, Let's talk. You just, called what? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. It's like they bring their whole thing with them. I'm like, sorry, man. Like it's a lot. <laughs> that's rare. I will say that's, that's rare. rare. I okay. too, but I'm like, okay, we're done here. I, yeah. I won't bother you again. <laughs> yeah. Who's the strangest request, I guess. Who's the strangest request that someone has made to talk to? say there have been any strange but one that surprised me was osha which is um he's more of a i don't remember if he's buddhist or he's like mm. a certain monk guru from like hundreds of years ago um that only surprised me because i didn't really know who he was and i wasn't familiar with his whole vibe and it's certainly like i'm known for rock stars so if you're coming to me for like a monk that was like oh that's different but okay yeah. let's do it 
Is that is anyone like Jesus, Gandhi, Mother Teresa? Is there any of that stuff or? No one's requested it yet, but I have, like I said, me coming from a Christian background, a lot of my early spiritual work was with Jesus. Um, I wanted to make sure I was right. I was square with, you know, my upbringing had a lot of fear in me about doing this work. And he actually came to me a lot, encouraging me. It's okay. It's a safe. I love you. It's going to be, you know, cause I had a lot of that religious fear. Yeah. But no, I haven't had any clients. Um, and you know, that's another reason I put it in this package because I'm a healer. I love, you know, I have very maternal energy when I do that work and I'm a mother, you know, I do that thing and it's very soft and with the crystals and the, the whole, that vibe. And that's great, but that's not really the totality of who I am. I mean, how yeah. many F-bombs have I already dropped? Like I'm the, you know, eighties punk rocker chick. Who, <laughs> like I'm a little rough. Yeah. And so I wanted to create a place in the spiritual community for people more like me, people more who would be turned off by the whole woo-woo, airy-fairy. Spirituality is for everyone, yeah, but it needs sure. to be put in packages where people feel welcome, where people feel comfortable going. And so I want to create that space for people who want to go into the deep spirituality, but they don't vibe with the, you know, the barefoot hippie yeah, lot. That's very true. No, and I appreciate that, that, that you say that because that is a you know, everyone, and, and that makes a difference too, especially if you're someone who's trying to get into tap with something that's on that fourth dimension. If you don't vibe with your, I guess, well, for lack of a term, better term, we'll say shaman in this, in this instance, that's going to make your experience with the supernatural very, very different, potentially non-existent because there are, uh, you do have to have that connection and in, in, in trust and in, in kind of implicit, um, I don't know, kind of uh, intention the same right. to to right. to be able to get to succeed in those type of things. So, yeah, I mean, I can only the only sessions I've had that did not go well. And I mean, I can count them on one hand in six years of work that were not great. And it's because the client was really closed off and almost antagonistic mm -hmm. to the point where I was like, why did you even like, why, why are you here? Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, if people can't feel that they can come to me and be open and be vulnerable, no matter how good a psychic is, you can't read a closed book. People need to feel comfortable and open so that we can go there and we can get you what you need. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. creating this space where people who um, are not going to feel judged or whatever, for being a little, you know, I'm pretty rough around the edges sometimes. You know, I, I want to hold that space for people. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I have a question about your religious upbringing because uh, that's that's very interesting, especially given what you do now. Um, it's funny because my, uh, I, my brother is actually a, a fundamental Baptist pastor. Uh, and I uh, am not. Uh, <laughs> and I am not. <laughs> uh, in a lot of ways. Um, what would you say to someone who is a, uh, you know, a zealous Christian believer who would explain things you're, you're describing, uh, through simple, simplistic religious terms of good, evil, that's demon bad, uh, you know, these things you're talking to are all, all, all evil. Anything that's good come out of it is god protecting you so let's say for for lack yeah. of a better term how you know what what would your kind of what's your response or what kind of take on on that 
Well, yeah, and that's actually a lot of my background is because I was still very involved in my religion when I began this path. And so I did a lot of mental gymnastics to make everything play nicely in the sandbox. Sure. I wanted all beliefs to fit and I didn't want to do anything that was going to upset the apple cart or whatever, because my whole family's in it and in pretty deep. I mean, okay, I've already said I'm in Utah. It's Mormon. <laughs> yeah. We can yeah. put two. I'll just say it. We can put Jewish. Two we get it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, because, you know, I never want it to be, even though I have since stepped away from religion, I never want to, you know, put a black eye on anybody. I think there's good in every religion, just as there is a miscreation in every religion. Mm -hmm. I won't get into that. But there are ways to use their language and, you know, theirs in the religious language to mirror it back to them. And, you know, Mormonism is actually extremely esoteric in its nature. And that's why it ruffles a lot of Christianity's feathers, because we believe that the founder had a vision and was met by God and Christ. And there was an attempted possession by darkness that tried to thwart that experience. And, we, you know, we there's a lot of things in our religion. In fact, my very first channeling experience was at the pulpit in church. And I didn't know that at the time, but now looking back, I'm like, that's exactly what that was, where um, once a month, the congregation is invited to just take a turn and share if they feel called to share a story or something uplifting. And I remember, this was probably 10 or more years ago, I just was lifted out of my, as though I were lifted on wings and pushed down the aisle. And I stood up and I just started talking and I really didn't know what I was going to say. And it just all came, came out. out somehow perfectly. And I was feeling the effects of that for months. I would have people come up to me telling me, you changed my life that day. Yeah. What you said changed my So I feel like spirituality is what it is. And then we come down on earth and we create these little categories and these little narrow boxes and these ways of experiencing spirituality. Whatever your box is, spirit will meet you there. Yeah. So if you want to relate to people in your life who have maybe a smaller box than you, First of all, never going to do any good to argue because they can't hear you. They don't want to be changed. Mm -hmm. They don't want to be talked out yeah. of. But if you want to help that relationship, if you want to make it easier to coexist, find their language and explain what you believe using their language. And, um, you know, I have had an absolute best case scenario of leaving my religion. I, I was so terrified, this long, slow process. People are going to hate me. People are going to whatever. But I think people just know me as a soul and they understand that all of their assumptions about darkness and this and that, you know me, look at me, feel me, talk to me. Yeah. You know there's no darkness about me and what I do. And people just have to be left to their own belief at that point. If you want to believe that what I'm doing is dark, I won't be able to change your mind. But if you want to open your heart and feel me as a soul, you'll know the truth of what I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, do, you, do you still hold any of those religious beliefs you, mm. you, you were raised with? I mean, yes and no. Uh, there has been a long process of healing religious trauma. Um, sure, that yeah, I, just, I get that. You know, <laughs> it, yeah, I mean, I think it's just inherent of being in such a narrow, uh, patriarchal, um, bureaucratic kind of thing that preaches hard right and wrong. Sure, yeah, there's no nuance. It's very, very structured, very, very A and B. That's it. Yeah. Exactly. And, and to the church's credit, I feel like uh, members of my generation and below are doing a lot to rectify past wrongs and they're trying to, you know, make it a more inclusive place. Anyway, whatever. I'm not an apologist. It just, it is what it is. Yeah, sure. Um, I would say, I think 
that Mormonism came at a time where people wanted a little bit more than what was already existing in Christianity. Uh -huh. And then the world has since evolved and the church hasn't kept up. So I think what Mormonism and most religion is, is they only, you know, the people of what, 1830 could only understand, you know, this much. They weren't as evolved. They weren't as, you know, whatever. And so spirituality had to fit in that tiny little box. Do I believe in a God that's a man that judges you? No. Do I believe that there is a supreme being who created us? Yes. Do I believe that there is some sort of judgment for our actions? Yes but it's not hell, but it's not. So like every belief that they have, there might be a nugget in it. And I'm like, yeah. What about the golden plates? I, as a rule, because here's the thing. Here's yeah. the thing. If I say that Joseph Smith, the founder, is a total fraud, then that casts doubt on me and my ability to talk to spirit and to channel messages from the ethers. So I kind of have to give everyone the benefit of the doubt in terms of like, I firmly believe that any human with enough desire and enough intentionality and, and practice in their ability can connect with the divine and bring forward a message. Sure. Okay. Did That's he fair. do every specific thing he said he did? I don't know, man. I wasn't there and I can't say yes or no. <laughs> sure. I'm just going to let it be what it is. And if people want to believe it, great. If they don't, cool. I just kind of leave it alone because <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, that's fair. Fair. Um, all right. I have I have two questions left for you, Lindsay. Okay. okay. Uh, la uh, second to last question. If you, you know, obviously there's a lot of doubt upon what you do. Um, uh, people have a lot of uh, views that don't line up with that. Um, if you, is there any one particular thing you could describe or would tell people that would be, in your opinion, uh, fairly convincing evidence that it is genuinely real? Um, I mean, you can describe possessions that you've uh, experienced. Um, that that really isn't a tangible. Um, that's not that's not a tangible thing for someone else to say. Oh yeah, that's I believe that now. Uh, is there something that that you could say or that would that you think is convincing to 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 change someone's mind? I mean, first of all, I try never to change people's mind because that puts me in the position of having to be completely impeccable without any fault, and that is impossible. Among okay. people who never ever want to believe what I do, I say, all right, let's pretend this is totally fake and I'm just a really brilliant writer of creative fiction. Isn't it still valuable? As yeah. a creative exercise, what would Frida Kahlo say to you as you're blocked creatively? I kind of leave it at that for the doubters. But it, okay, but if push comes to shove and you want me to answer it, what's the concrete experience? I would say, oh, geez. I mean, you you want me to say like experiences as geoprism that validates that I'm talking to who I'm talking to? No, I mean, I mean, like, just you know. just in general, and I'm not even I don't even know if there is an experience you can say. I, that, so so you know, you, the, there is there's saying that doesn't that, that you don't have that answer is not the wrong answer. I'm just wondering if someone who you know doesn't doesn't hold those beliefs or not even necessarily trying to convince someone you know change their mind because as you expressed eloquently that's not necessarily what you you're here to do but you know is there something you could express that may make someone go oh that does seem more tangible or real than i would have previously yeah. thought 
Um, I, I, yeah, in that case, it would actually be stories that I would share from my work as a healer and when the mediumship was really hot and happening. Um, a lot of my healing lineage, I, I, people will come and incarnate with these problems and they didn't begin with them. They began in their ancestry. Yeah. Um, we know this now, science has proven this, but what was really cool in my sessions is that the ancestors would show up okay. and they would tell us their story and they would share what happened and why and this whole thing. Um, because whatever we heal in us, whoever in our bloodline is affected, they get to receive the healing benefits of that. It's amazing. And so some of the stories I've had from these ancestors and the client was able to verify or like send me a news clipping or send me their genealogy report, absolutely a thousand percent confirms that I was talking to who they said they were. And I was able to tell them things that I could not have possibly known, but they were later able to verify with these documents and facts. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's fairly, uh, that's probably, uh, the most convincing way you could, yeah, something like this could be, uh, verified, I suppose for, you know, and even then there's going to be doubters, but that's, uh, I think that's, that's pretty good. Um, all right. Last question, Lindsay. Uh, and this is the most important one. Uh, this is a hotly debated topic that's been going around, uh, the studio and the social hour the last few weeks. Um, what, do you think is the worst food to eat in a hot tub? Uh, anything from Taco Bell comes to mind? Uh, okay, not bad, not bad, <laughs> not bad. There is a cor- oh. there is a correct answer. Um, I want you to know that. Okay, uh, but, is there but, been a double blind study to confirm? Uh, the yes, yes, uh, yes. I verified it. Uh, okay. uh, I just thought of the answer through conversation and uh, now it's just the answer because I say so. And it's, uh, but uh, I think most people after I tell them the correct answer tend to agree with me. Um, So, so I just, you know, curious as to your thoughts of what you think the worst food to eat in a hot tub would be. I mean, I think Taco Bell in any circumstance ain't going to be good. Uh, I agree with you there a hundred percent. You are psychic. You do no shit because you need to spread that message to people. Uh, (laughs) fall out and there's cheese and it is not good it's mm-hmm. hot it's gonna give you a you know bathroom situation yeah. later i'm not gonna mix that with hot water no yeah that that's a good answer uh the correct answer Lindsay, is actually a bowl of chili um oh. which uh i is oh, wait no but you could have the effects of the beans and no one would be the wiser well, the the but again, those effects could go further into oh, okay, okay, you know, okay. And you know, being <laughs> I feel like being in a hot tub already kind of rumbles your tummy in a weird way. Plus, eating like holding like a bowl of yeah. steaming hot chili when you're in a hot tub, and you're like spooning this hot yeah. chunky thing into your face while in a hot tub. Yeah, it's just that seems like it is the worst thing you can eat while yeah. in a hot tub. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah. What What about? Okay, we can split the difference. What about a hot bowl of chowder, seafood? Well, you know, someone brought this up to me. Uh, this This was a This was a mention in this debate. They said a bowl bowl of chowder, and I said, "Good, that's good." But also, you're in water. Chowder okay. is seafood, okay. so it takes a little bit of the edge off of the of the uh, yeah. of that. But bowl of chowder is a good contender in theory. Right. Uh, but I, I gotta say, I think, uh, chili still, still takes the, takes yeah. the, takes the, takes the cake. Yeah. But, it, but if you had like a chili wrap in a tortilla, I'm gonna say that's even worse than a bowl of 
Because that bowl is pretty contained, but you got that in a tortilla and the bubble pops up like anything can happen, man. That is true. Uh, I was uh, I had I was talking to a, someone of, about this uh, topic who uh, they were uh, they do um, debate and they'd done some law going to law school <laughs> and they brought up they brought up a chili dog. They said chili oh. dog could is worse. And the I soggy bun. Right. And I yeah. said, I said, yeah, yeah, it is less contained than a bowl of chili. But the yep. common denominator is the chili, chili. because yeah. just a hot dog, not that bad. And, and, and I go, if that's the case, then I change my answer to spaghetti colander of chili. Uh, <laughs> you know, if we're just going as what's containing yep. the chili, then yeah. I'll just take, you know, I'll just take a yeah. different container. Uh, but right. the, but really, a handful of. right. Yeah. Yeah. The common <laughs> denominator becomes the chili, which I think yeah. just means that's your answer at that point. There you so. go. Three alarm two bean. Yeah. Chunky stomping steakhouse chili. <laughs> Well, you're in a 120 degree hot tub. Tell me yep. you wanted just a bowl of chili. No way. Okay, I think I just turned vegan again. Rest me. <laughs> well, you're welcome, I guess. So, um, <laughs> all right. Well, uh, Lindsay, this has been fascinating. I very much enjoyed talking to you. Um, the uh, if you could please tell everyone where they can find you, social media, where to follow you, website, and how uh, to get in touch with you if they want to. Uh, uh, have an experience with you. Yeah, it's giaprism.com. And if you want to find me on Instagram, uh, I'm a very infrequent Twitter user. Both of those are at giaprism. Perfect. Um, all right, guys. Well, find Lindsay, find Gia, uh, have yeah, an experience you. with her, uh, you know, uh, be open-minded and uh, start under, you know, there's more to this world than even we know, or even Lindsay knows, despite her knowing much more and be more in tune with this. So there's so much going on. So find it, you know, uh, be open-minded and, uh, you know, check something out. So, uh, all right. Well, Lindsay, again, thank you so much for being here. This was enlightening. Um, I would love to do this again sometime. So down the road, we'll, uh, let's, yeah. let's talk again. This was great. Uh, all right. And guys, as for me, for the social hour, uh, just go to dececomedy.com. Check out everything going on across the network. We have uh, live shows around the area and uh, across the country, much, much more. So check it out. And uh, that's it for the social hour. I've been Dees. And for Lindsay, thank you very much, guys. And we will see you next week. Bye.